today. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for your amazing love for us. Lord, we know that there is no greater love than the love that you have and displayed for us. Lord, as we go through your word, Lord, I just pray that, uh, that Lord, that we would understand the message that you have for us today, Lord. Not only that we would understand it, Lord, but that we would go out and do it, Lord. Lord, help us to be doers of the word. Help us to, to Lord Jesus, to just take in your word and to live it out, Lord. This is what glorifies you. This is what points others to you. This is what brings you a good name. We become good testimonies, good witnesses of you. Lord, none of us want to be bad witnesses, Lord. And so we are here to learn from you, to learn from your word and, and teach us. For you are the great teacher. We love you. We praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in, John, in 3 John. And as we are in 3 John, uh, we're going to be finishing this, uh, this book today. It seems so long ago that we did, uh, we did the, uh, that we were in 3 John. And I know that we've had uh, several things that have taken place between then and now. And one thing that I want to share with all of you is I know we've done topical teachings and we've had visitors come down. And you know what? It just, as, as, you do, as I do that, it just doesn't feel right because I think one of the things that you'll know and you've come to know about Calvary Chapels is that we teach you verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We have a systematic way of teaching you. And so, you know what? For me, this is what I enjoy doing and, and this is what what actually, you know, what, what's easier for me, you know what, it's so awesome to know that as teachers, you know, as we go through the Word and we do the systematic type of teaching, it's always teaching what the Lord has to share. I never have to think of ideas and say, okay, Lord, what is it that, that, you're, that you want to say or what, what type of topic do you want to discuss or what do you want to share with your people? You know what, I just share what He tells us. And that's what's so amazing about the systematic teaching is that I don't have to think of ideas. I don't have to, you know, strive and, and pray about topic, topics. It's really just the Lord that is teaching us. And that's what I enjoy. And, and you know what, just getting back to this comfort zone that I have of doing the systematic teachings, we're going to finish this book. And I know after this book, we'll get into the, the book of Jude, and then we'll get into uh, Revelation. And I know uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about about uh, the next couple of books that we're going to be getting into. But as we go back to, uh, to 3 John, 3 John was a very short letter. It was written to a brother in the Lord. It was written to a brother, and this brother's name was Gaius. And as we went through the letter, and we'll, we'll read it all, and, and then we'll begin to expound on the, where we left off last, uh, the last time. But it was a very personal letter that, that John had for Gaius. And in this personal letter, he was just commending Gaius for, for his behavior. He was, he was sharing with Gaius, you know what? You're doing exactly what needs to get done. You know, you're showing love. You're showing hospitality. You're being faithful to the things that God has called you to do. And so he was being commending to, to his witness and to his behavior what we're going to see now is really John shifting to 
pointing out bad behavior within the church. And we know that this happens. And, and sometimes, you know what, it breaks my heart to know that bad behavior does happen in a church because, see, it's not supposed to happen there, but it does. And so, you know, when it happens at a church, you know, John wants to remind us that, you know what, that the church isn't perfect. If anyone is looking for a perfect church, they're never going to find it. But we got to be better, and we, got, we have to do all that we can not to bring problems into the church. See, we got to be good witnesses, and this is what, what John is going to remind us of today. As we, uh, as we go through the Word, as we are going to get into it, God is going to speak to us on, on both the Christian standards as well as the human standards, and how many times... Uh, human way of thinking of things creeps into the church. And it should not be that way. It should not creep into the church. But we know that the church is made up of men. And, and that's the unfortunate thing because men brings in their standards and their ways. And so, so as we go through this now, you're going to see and we're going to talk about these things. And I pray that, that the Lord would speak to each and every one of us to never behave in, these, in this type of manner. Let's begin to read the whole book, and then we'll begin to expound in, uh, in verse 9. It says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love for the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have preem the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you, our friends. Greet you. Greet the friends by name. You know, as we see, it is a very short letter. It is written with great love and affection. But it is also written with great truth. And John brings something up to us that you know what? That is heartbreaking. That goes on within a church. And he writes about this man called Diotrephes. And he says there in verse 9, he says, I wrote to the church, 
But Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. See, we have, first of all, the fact that John states that he wrote a letter. And this letter that he first wrote, we're not talking about 3rd John and we're not talking about 2nd John. There was another letter that John wrote and apparently this letter got lost. This letter got lost somewhere and and to think, you know what? A letter written by the apostle, Apostle John gets lost. When we look at what he points out there though, he points out there's a certain man. The certain man by the name of Diotrephes. And this certain man by the name of Diotrephes has much to do with that letter that was lost. See, John was being challenged by this man called Diotrephes. And as we read the letter, we see that, you know what, that he was challenging the apostle. He was challenging the apostle whom the Lord loves. You know, isn't that amazing that people would actually challenge the apostle? And we know that it happens. It happens within churches. It happens, you know what, with people today that don't want to accept the writings from John or don't want to accept the writings from other apostles or or the writings from the other writers that are in the New Testament. A lot of people that don't want to accept this is because they're challenged by it. Their sins are exposed, and, and so they don't want to receive it. And so that's exactly what the Atrophist is doing. By what John writes, we can really see or get a sense of the character of the Atrophist. And we get this sense by what he writes there. He says, the Atrophist who loves to have the preeminence among them does not receive us. Diotrephes wanted to have preeminence among them. See, as we go through it or as we read it, one thing about Diotrephes is that this man was most likely an elder at the church. He was most likely a leader of the church. He could have even been the pastor there at the church. And this church was a church in Ephesus. And it was a church that was possibly established by, by the Apostle John. And, and so he became a leader there. But one thing about this leader that, that this man was, is that he loved to have preeminence. And when you look at the word preeminence, it means to be superior. One thing that this man wanted to do is he wanted to make himself the most important person there. That's what he wanted. And this is what John points out. He says, you know what? This man, Diotrephes, he wants to have preeminence. He wants to be the most important. He wants to make himself superior to others. And this was his behavior. You know what? This is a self-centered type of behavior. This is a prideful behavior. This is what you bring out of the world into the church of Christ. See, this man elevated himself into being or to having a superior role amongst others. 
It wasn't God-given, and we're going to go over that. But this is actually man-given. This is what he raised himself up to be. It wasn't something that God anointed him and raised him up to be. It was what he wanted. See, in the world, I see this all the time. I see this in the workforce, right, where people want to make themselves greater than others and bring, people bring attention to themselves, where people are, are talking about themselves and, and putting others down, right, and, and putting leadership down and, and saying, you know what, these people, you know what, they don't know what they're doing. And they begin to say, I can do it better. Have you met people like this? I have. And you know what's so amazing? is that you're seeing one of those right now. That was me. So I know this attitude very well. See, I couldn't, you know what? After graduating from college, you know, I held a job, and, and then I had this attitude, right, this superior attitude where I thought I knew better than everyone else. You know what? That I knew better than my job, and and my, my, I'm sorry, my managers and my superiors and my leaders. And because of that, I couldn't hold down a job because, you know what, I'd quit and say, you know what, they don't know what they're doing. I'm going to go somewhere else. And I'm going to get a job somewhere else. And that's what I would do. And because I was a hard worker and I performed well, but see, within myself, I was thinking I had a wrong idea of who I was. Just because you work hard doesn't mean that you're superior. Just because you get results doesn't mean that you're superior to anybody. You know, these are things that God does in and through us. And so what happened is that, you know what, I began to feel that, you know what, I was superior. It wasn't until I came to know the Lord that the Lord finally broke me of this pride. Of thinking that I was better than anybody else or thinking that I was superior to anybody else or thinking that I knew better than they. And the sad part about it was that I brought this into the church. As a young Christian, this is what I was thinking. I got into the ministry and I began to have the same thoughts that I did from the world. And it was sad. And I remember one day when I finally, you know what, I realized and you know what? And it was one of those times where the Lord just finally broke me. He used circumstances to break me of who I was and what I had become, bringing the world into the church. And I remember one day I was just so sick of who I had become, reminding myself of who I was and, and that, that I was still that man even though Christ had come into my life and, and God was still trying to shape me and mold me and and I was getting in his way. I was hindering the work of God. And I remember one day I finally, I was down. I was depressed. I was like this for days. And I finally just said, Lord, you know, I walked outside and I walked on my porch and I sat on the little table that I had there and I just began to sob. And I began to cry and I began to just cry out to the Lord, asking him for forgiveness and, and asking him and to asking him just to forgive me of what I was and what I was bringing into the church and to free me from this pride, from this self-centeredness, from this selfish ambition that I had. See, I was getting in the way of what God had planned for me. And I was hurting people along the way. And this is exactly what Diotrephes was doing. 
The difference between him and I was that he was the pastor of the church. I wasn't. And as a pastor, we're supposed to be examples. We're supposed to be examples for others to follow. See, Diotrephes, he was a lover of himself. And he called himself a Christian. He had become a bad witness for others. And this isn't what God wants for us. See, God has a different, different way of doing things than what the world does. See, God's way of doing things is nowhere near what the world does. See, it is quite opposite. And this is why we know that as the Lord teaches these things, you realize that, you know what? It's not the way I've been brought up with. It's not the way that my parents and others have taught me to be. It is quite the opposite. And I want us to go over ministry principles here. See, because if I bring these ministry principles to you, you can learn as all of us have been called to serve. All of us have been called to serve in the ministry, to serve in your church. God has given each and every one of you gifts to be used at the church that you call your home. And if I teach you these things, then you won't fall into these things and you won't do these things here at the church that you serve. I want us to turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, in verse 20. You have here Jesus is teaching and Jesus is uh, there and, you know, Jesus was accessible to all, right? Jesus would, you know, would make himself accessible to anyone that would want to come and talk to him. And we know that he had his apostles with him all the time as he would teach. And, and then you have the mother of two of the apostles. You have the mother of James and John. And as Jesus is there, she goes up to Jesus and she begins to share this. Verse 20 says, Then the mother of Zebedee, of Zebedee's sons, came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one at your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. This is James and John saying, James and John are saying, yes, we're able to do this. So Jesus responds, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. They were upset. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. 
Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. See, the Lord here, he gives us the definition of greatness and of leadership. See, we have the mother, and we always know that our mothers always want the best for us, right? How many of you moms want the best for your kids? I think you all do, right? Every single one of your hands should go up because we know that's the heart of a mom. And so the mom, of course, what does she do? She goes to Jesus and says, you know what? You know what, Jesus? I want my children, my both boys, to be sitting on your right hand and on your left hand. You know, to be sitting on the right and the left, this is a position of greatness, right? And so we have the mom that wants her children to have position in the kingdom of God. And we know that the other apostles, they were upset about this too, right? And, and you know what? They were upset because their mother, or the mother of James and John, asked, Jesus, what they wanted themselves to be also. You know, that's within us. You know, within every one of us, we all have a selfish ambition. But this isn't what the Lord wants for us. See, you and I have been trained so well by the world. The world tells you, you know what? I want you to make it to the top. Our parents push us to make it to the top. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to make yourself better. But not when you do it by offending and trampling over others. See, we know we live in a dog-eat-dog world, right? That expression is out there to remind us that, you know what, as dogs fight and eat one another, they're, they're fighting wife or to have superiority over another. And this is what you have here. This is what you have here with the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the James and John. And, and we know that, you know, both James and John agreed with it. And they said, you know what, yes, this is what we want. But as we see this, as we read this, we know that Jesus had to correct them just as he wants to correct us. This isn't the mentality that he wants from us. This isn't the way he wants us to be. And this isn't what he wants in his church. See, the Lord doesn't want us to have a selfish ambition at church. He tells us that, you know what? That the kingdom of God is quite different than what they had in their minds. See, Jesus said that if they wanted to be great, they needed to be servants. You know, whenever you think about somebody that is great in a company or somebody that is great in a corporation we measure greatness by usually how many people are serving under them right 
you think to yourself, you know what? That guy is pretty high up there. You know what? This guy ranks pretty high in the company. This guy is pretty great. He's pretty good at the company, right? And it's usually measured by the org chart, right? That's the way the world looks at it. The world says, you know what, if he's up here and look at all these other employees under him and those employees have other employees under them and so forth and so forth and so, you know what, this guy is pretty high up there, right? This guy is actually pretty great in that company. You know the way Jesus wants us to look at things? He wants to have that org chart inverted in the church of God. And what I mean by that is if you invert that org chart, if you are up here, Jesus says, you know what? In order to be great in the kingdom of God, invert that org chart and you will be measured in greatness by how many people you serve. That's how Jesus measures greatness. It's about the amount of people that you're serving See, God has called us to serve one another. When Jesus came down to earth, he says, you know what? I came to give my life a ransom for many. I came to be a servant and not to be served. See, what happens in the church is that many people want others to serve them, just like Diotrephes. Diotrephes wanted people serving them. Diotrephes wanted to give out commands. Diotrephes, man, that's a hard one to say. Diotrephes wanted to be superior over all of us. He had that mentality. He had the mentality of being, you know what? I'm greater than you. I know more than you. And this is who he was. See, the example that we have is an example like no other. You and I agree that Jesus is great, right? Give me a show of hands. Do we believe that he is God and he is great and he is greater than anyone else? I believe we all do, right? And in believing this, we know it to be a fact. We know that he is God that came in the flesh because of his great love for you. And he died on the cross he humbled himself and, and brought flesh upon himself and came to feel pain, to feel cold, to feel hunger. You know, he was in heaven and he had everything. But yet he came down and he humbled himself. And you know what's so amazing about Jesus? Is that he showed himself to be a servant. How did he do this? I want you to open up, our, open up your Bibles to John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, in verse 3, it says there, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God. A reminder of who he is. Okay? It's, it's so awesome as we see this. Jesus is reminding us of who he is. But what he does thereafter is an amazing thing. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. 
Can you imagine Jesus, you know what, taking off his gar- uh, garments, putting on a towel, girding himself, right? And the apostles are looking at him and thinking, what's this guy doing? What's he going to do now? We know Jesus is always surprising us, but this one is like, he's looking like a slave. He's looking like the servants. How could the God of this universe do this? And then verse 5 says, And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which, was, which he was girded. You know, this is just amazing. To me, to think that the God... The one that gave us life was washing our feet. You know, to look at the feet that, especially were dirty, it's, it's easy to say, okay, your feet are clean, so I, I could wash those, right? But to touch feet that are dirty, because remember, the apostles wore sandals, and, and dirt got into the sandals, and so they have dirt all over their toes and their nails and their feet. And to think that he was willing to wash them. He was willing to get down on his knees and begin to wash the feet of the apostles. See, what was Jesus displaying here? That he was a servant and he's called us to imitate him, right? Think of this. And I've had this done before and I, I think most of the men may have, been, may have done this. But have you ever had your shoes shine? You know, I've gone into airports and I'll, you know what, you, you sit on an elevated place and you think to yourself, wow, look, this feels good to be up here, right? And you have somebody shining your shoes and, and you know what, and, and it gives you this superior attitude even though you're just like them, but automatically you have it, right? Because you're above them. See, Jesus who is above all of us, who is greater than us, who is greater than the angels, who is greater than anyone else, got on his knees and began to wash their feet. You know, this is just mind-boggling to know that he lowered himself like a servant. I want us to jump down to verse 15. See, Jesus says here, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I'm sorry, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, Jesus says this is an example. See, for some of you, you may have thought, you know what, but then maybe I should start a wash, a a, a feet washing ministry. This is not what Jesus is saying here. This is not the example that Jesus gave us. Jesus said, you know what? All I want you to do is to behave like a servant. He says, and if you do these things, blessed are you. God's favor is upon you. And we know that as they do this, you become great in the kingdom of God. Not the way the world measures it, but in the kingdom of God. See, as Christians, you and I are not to consider any task beneath us. When it comes to washing toilets, when it comes to cleaning 
the, the, the carpet, when it comes to helping out in ministry, when it comes to, you know what, whatever needs to get done, we should have a servant's heart and we should raise our hand to say, you know what, can I do this? You know, even though in this church we have a six-month requirement, right, to say that, you know what, you can't serve in a ministry until you've been here for six months, it doesn't mean that you can't help. It doesn't mean that you can't get up and say, you know what, I see this, you know what, there's a gap there. I see there's a hole there. And you know what, can I just do it for today or can I help you out in any way? You know what, there are some. There are some men that, and women that never lift a finger. And the only way you get them to help is by asking them, you know what, can you do this? You know, you see everybody else is cleaning and working and, you know what, we need help here. Can you do it? See, the Lord would want each and every one of us to just get up and do things. Have that servant's attitude. Have that servant's heart. You know what? If you see a hole there, if you see trash there, pick it up. You know, when, I see, when you see cups out there, just pick them up. You know one thing about Chuck Smith, Pastor Chuck, it is so awesome to see that even to this day, he's still picking up trash. We see how God has worked powerfully through this man, and he doesn't consider himself to be greater than anyone else, but he still looks at himself as a servant of all. This is the mentality, this is the mindset that God wants in us. We are called to be servants. We are to serve one another. See, people have aspirations in the church to be teachers, to be leaders, to be pastors. But they're never going to be raised up. They're not going to be raised up until they learn to be servants until they get themselves out, and I'm talking about self, out of the way, and they learn to just get up and do things and, and to, you know what, to help out and to be a servant. This is what God wants from us. The problem that we face, though, is that some of these with selfish ambitions, they creep through. It's not God's design, but you know what? It creeps through and they have an office of leadership. And they become like Diotrephes. And one thing that Diotrephes became, he became a tyrant. You know what Diotrephes became? He became a church dictator. And let me show this to you. Let's go back to Third John. In Third John chapter 10, it says, Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of church. This is amazing. I'm going to explain these things to you. What he was doing, and you know what, I look at the time, and we're not going to be able to finish the book today. But we're going to get through this principle because I guess it's a principle that the Lord really wanted us to learn. He wants us all to be servants. And this is the, the message that he's getting across to us today. And what he's saying here is that he's talking to Gaius, right? He's telling Gaius, you know what, Gaius? This man named Diotrephes, 
He's prating against us with malicious words. What does prating mean? Prating means to babble. It means pointless babble. It means nonsense. It's like talking things that, you know what, that have no significance or not true. They're false. And he says, with malicious words. In other words, he was talking nonsense about John. He was saying evil things about John. They were all false. And they were empty. See, this man was talking negative about leadership. And usually, people talk negative about leadership because they've been corrected by leadership. See, to this day, I've had people that I've corrected, and because I corrected them, they left the church. And in leaving the church, they haven't stopped talking nonsense about me and the leadership in this church. You know, it comes all back to you, right? And you're just like, whatever, you know, you know it's not true. For a second, you feel offended, but then it's like, who cares? You know it's not true, right? And, and I heard it just recently that, you know, somebody that was corrected and somebody that left the church just recently within the last few, couple of months or, or three months, four months, whatever it was, was talking about me still to this day, and they haven't been here for a few years. This is what Diotrephes was doing about John. He was talking negative about John because he was corrected by John. See, the leader is threatened, and this leader was threatened by John. What Diotrephes began to do is he stopped receiving anybody associated with John. That's what it says. That's what it means when he says, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren. In other words, everybody that was associated with John, they were guilty by association. So anybody that was for John and a follower of, of the Lord and and respected and honored and, and did as John had commanded because the Lord gave these commands to John and John passed them on. And, and these men that loved John, that would follow John, Diotrephes says, you know what? You're not coming into this church. Can you see what happened in this church? All of a sudden, this church could not accept the truth of God. This Diotrephes began to do what? He began to rule within that church. It was no longer God ruling there, but it was now Diotrephes, the church dictator. And you know what he began to do too? He began to put them out of the church. Why would people follow leaders like this? Because they themselves are deceived. Because they themselves have the same motives that the atrophies had. See, what we have here is we have a man that has just gone on the deep end. He's a church leader. He's an example. And now he's putting people out and he's saying, you know what? Everyone associated with John the apostle is guilty by association. This is a very dangerous place to be. 
Whoever agreed with John, you don't belong here. Imagine if, if here you may not agree with me on certain things. And we're talking about not the essentials of our faith because the essentials of our faith, we live and die by them, okay? We're not talking about these. And, you know, we're not talking about the deity of Christ or the resurrection of Christ or salvation by grace through faith alone. You know, we're not talking about these. We're talking about other principles. And imagine if you said, you know what, Pastor Tony, I, I don't know if I, if I truly agree with you on this thing, on this non-essential or whatever it may be. And I said, you know what? Get out of here. You know, ushers, don't let Tim or Tom come into this church or, or Brenda. See, I didn't say any of your names. Or did I? No, I did not. But imagine if I did that. And I said, ushers, when you see them coming out, you block them off. And we got some big ushers here. And these ushers aren't going to allow you to get through. Imagine if I did that. This is what the atrophies was doing. This is what this man became. See, this is a very sad thing. And this is what goes on in churches. The Word of God is alive. It is sharper and more powerful than any two-edged sword. See, the, life, the Word of God is alive, and because it's living, this happens today at churches. This is a sad thing. And yet, the church of God is to be a hospital. The church of God is to be a place of refuge. And yet, you have people coming in that want to destroy that. Or people not permitting the house of God to be that hospital, to be the example of Christ. You and I have been called to be servants, to do what Christ has done, to be an example of who Christ is. When we ever begin to think that we're more important than you, than somebody else, we're headed on the wrong track. We're headed down the wrong path. You've allowed pride. You've allowed self to take control. We're all the same. I'm no greater. You're no greater. The prophets, Moses, Abraham, Joseph, all of these are no greater than us. We're all equal. But do you really understand that? Do you really comprehend that in your heart? Or are you still allowing the world with their ways, with their standards to come into here and to fall into here? The Word of God wants to transform us, and it does. The Word of God leads us into areas that we're not comfortable with. But these areas that it leads us into are the areas that are pleasing to the King. This is who we're here to please. We're not here to please man. We're here to please God. 
See, God's word is a truth. And what God's word says about his truth, it sets us free from all the things that the world and others have taught us. Those are lies. The word of God is truth. And with that, we will close. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for just teaching us and reminding us on being a servant, Lord. Lord, you were the perfect example of that. You humbled yourself. And you came in the form of a man. You humbled yourself on the cross. You washed the feet of the apostles. You served them and you became a servant of all. Lord, may you teach us. May you reveal to us 